there isn't a better time um, uh, than now to be a student. Uh, you have access to more information. Um, you have access to so, so many good ideas that your smartphone is smarter than the, um, the entire library system uh, you know, pre-1950. And, um, and that pace is only accelerating. So you, you really can access the smartest minds in the world. It's, it's on students now to think about how, how they can connect those dots so that they can really think about the world in, in new and interesting ways. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast, a member of the Education Podcast Network. Today, we have on Justin Cullum. Justin is a venture capital and growth equity investor, and he is also the founder and CEO of Business Blocks. And the quote you heard at the top of the show is just indicative of how this interview went. Justin is uh, just really insightful, not only on the business side, but also on education. Uh, he's also been around the ed tech scene for quite a while. And it's for those reasons I really want to interview him. This is also another example of when people reach out and have suggestions for really great guests. And Justin was on the top of that list. So I encourage you that if you have any suggestions for future shows, um, make sure you get a hold of us, Don, at startedupinnovation.com or go to our Facebook, facebook.com slash startedup. All right. I know you're going to love this one. Get out your notepads, take some notes. Also, get back with Justin. He is uh, a real approachable guy and insightful as heck. So... Without further ado, Justin Culla. All right, joining me today is Justin Culla. He is the he is a venture capital and growth equity investor. He's also the CEO and founder of Business Blocks. Justin, thanks so much for being on. So great to be here. All right, so when we first connected, we hit it off far too well. We started going down a deep rabbit hole of all the things that you've been doing, and I begged you to be on the show and, and just sincerely appreciate what you're doing. Uh, talk to us a little bit, though, about business blocks and and why you're starting to take a, a, a serious look at some uh, ed trends and ed tech. Sure, you know, um, I, I started business blocks because you know I, I myself grew up in a small business. So my, my parents started a, a business a month before I was born, and they've run it together ever since. You know, I've seen some some good days and some bad days, and um, and everything in between. Um, you know, they built their business the hard way. Um, you know, they, they never took a, uh, you know, a, a nickel from anybody. Um, and, uh, and, you know, they, they really had to um, fight um, for every business deal and to, to grow their business and to work through um, changes in their business. And they've had to do a few pivots over time. Um, they've run the business for nearly 40 years together. And so that puts them as a real outlier. You know, they've survived in a way that uh, most small businesses haven't. So I, I really consider them entrepreneurial heroes. And that's really informed how I've thought about uh, my own career. And so I, I think, um, you know, I, I was an engineer um, in, uh, in school and then graduated to build systems, became really interested in um, just the diversity of technology and how technology can positively impact, uh, impact the world. And went to graduate school to to become an investor, and I've gotten to invest in a lot of different domains, and so in media and enterprise tech, uh, specifically in education technology, um, and uh, those have been really uh, amazing experiences because I got to learn a lot about different uh, business models. I got to work with passionate uh, entrepreneurs and think about how the world can just be this really rich, amazing place. Uh, because people are willing it in 
uh, into existence by uh, sheer passion and, and energy um, and building their businesses. Um, and I wanted to do that myself. And so uh, three years ago, I started a company called Business Box, which is an education company for small businesses. And like, we like to say that we're a mini MBA for everybody who would never get an MBA. And so, uh, you know, MBAs are expensive and, and, and college is expensive in general. And, and our goal was to try to drive down the price and make it accessible for as many, uh, many small business owners as possible. So just a, a few statistics to put in context the opportunity and why this is so important. Um, there's 28 million small businesses in the U.S. And they represent 50% of U.S. GDP and 67% of employment. Um, the challenge is that 50% will fail in five years. And, you know, when they fail, it's not like failing in Silicon Valley. In Silicon yeah. Valley, failure is almost, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a point of pride. Uh, you yeah. tried something and it didn't work out. You go on to something new. Um, but when most small business owners fail, they can lose their house or their, co- their kids' education funds, uh, their retirement funds. And so the stakes are really high. And so our goal was to make sure that they had foundational knowledge. And I think that this ties in a lot to what, how we should be thinking about uh, education, even from the earliest, uh, earliest, uh, uh, ages. I am so glad you said that. Matter of fact, you're almost contrarian in the city that you reside in is that, yeah, there's always this sexiness that, you know, fail early, fail often. And, and, and for a lot of times I agree with it. And my gosh, you know, when I'm working with 16 to 18 year olds, it is cool to fail. I mean, you can adjust from it, but yeah, when you start hitting the real world, sometimes failure isn't just on paper, it's, it's real. And so I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, although I will say, uh, there seems to be this big perceived risk, which I'm trying to battle, is that um, our schools <laughs> don't encourage failure. Uh, a failure means you're not going to get into that famous college. Um, but, uh, you know, that risk taking for students needs to be there. But I, I, I sincerely do appreciate that whole, you know, failing in a software company where it's not necessarily, you know, going to affect somebody is different than a, you know, a guy that has a garage door repair business. And, uh, it means that his, you know, yeah, gets foreclosed on. So thank you for that. Well, look, to, to fail in Silicon Valley, to say that failure is, um, is not okay in Silicon Valley might be a form of heresy. Uh, um, but I, I think it's really important to, um, to understand that all failure is not the same and that, um, and that the, the goal is to learn and to de-risk over time. Um, now, as the stakes get higher, um, it really uh, it becomes important for people not to fail because they might have everything on the line. Um, it's really good to fail early because you don't, you're not actually risking a lot. And so if you're just experimenting with an idea, if you're thinking about what's exciting to you and you don't quite know, those are really low risk failures. Um, and, and that, and those are the kind of failures that we want to pursue. It's a lot, um, it's, there's a lot more at stake if you're employing dozens of people in a community and they're depending on you to feed their families. And so, um, that's why the failure early on uh, tends to be a great thing because then you're not risking as much when you're actually in business. And the, the last part of that is to, to make sure that you're building a strong business so that as, uh, as you, you know, some failure is big and some failure is small, um, but for the small failures, um, those are easy to correct. And so you want to, you want to fail the, those things so you can understand how to build strong foundations. If you don't have a strong foundation, then the failures over time can really accumulate. 
and be terminal. Yeah. So if you're sitting down talking to a 16, well, heck, 14, 16, 18-year-old, whatever, uh, what are some nice small steps to start preparing them for this way of thinking? Well, you know, they, they're in the best possible position, right? Because they have um, very, very little to lose. Um, they have everything to learn and they're approaching everything in life with sort of fresh eyes, right? And that's really where innovation comes from. Um, you know, I think there, there's, there's uh, two things to really think about uh, when they're sort of pursuing innovation. One is um, uh, how to uh, uh, accumulate as many hard skills as possible. Um, and that's, you know, sort of from the foundational, you know, really early on in, in someone's education career, um, reading, writing, arithmetic, um, and sort of basic understanding of science and history. Um, and then later on, you know, getting more uh, specific knowledge. You know, those are really uh, important foundations that allow you to then pursue innovative ideas. Um, the, the, w- where innovation becomes really special is when you're connecting dots that other people don't see. And to be able to connect the dots, you have to know about how the world works. And so um, by definition, if you're pursuing innovation, you're going to be thinking about things that don't exist yet. Um, many of them don't exist for, uh, for real reasons, but some of them don't exist because they haven't been thought about or pursued in the right way or hasn't been the right time. And so the, the students who you're engaging with, students around the country, um, they get to uh, think about how the world should work, um, and they have energy and fresh insight and the ability to fail without risk. So this is, this is the best possible set of conditions for innovation. Yeah. So obviously this is really t- kind of tying into to the business you have. You know, here you are providing a great resource for people to succeed. Um, I'm assuming then you, you want more students from an earlier age to start thinking like this because, you know, they're going to have a step ahead, correct? I, look, I, I think that's absolutely critical. And so um, what we find at the moment is m- many of our customers at Business Blocks are, um, are entrepreneurs who have um, they, they've dived into the pool two feet first. Um, they're passionate about their industry. They're bakers, lawyers, uh, retailers. They're, they're really um, domain experts. They know a lot about their businesses, but maybe they haven't been trained on finance or marketing or HR. The, the core foundational uh, uh, pillars for running a business and they're making self-inflicted wounds and they know it and they want to um, they want to make sure that they're running better businesses they have better gross margins they understand how cash flow works um, they understand how to acquire new customers and without those those uh, foundational skills they're not able to run the the uh, as good a business as they could um, and so accumulating those skills early on, is um, is is really helpful uh, because those skills are going to be applicable to any business that you run. And so, uh, it, think about the simple example of a lemonade stand. Um, you know, that that as an example of running a business is going to, if you really understand how that lemonade stand works from a financial perspective, from a uh, an HR perspective, from a marketing perspective, it might seem like that that that's too much process for a lemonade stand, but it's not. You know, what's the price we're going to sell? What's our gross margin? How do we cover costs? How might we expand? 
Um, those are all uh, interesting um, uh, problems uh, and ideas that can be expanded to, to any business. And so it's the idea of accumulating those sort of basic foundational, um, you know, building blocks uh, uh, to help think about business in general. Uh, because if you do that, then you can think about business at scale. And for that matter, like I'm assuming <laughs> just in my own practice, and, and I know we've talked, just having my students know at an early age and be aware of their own personal brand. And and when I mention this, well, sometimes it's like I get weird reactions sometimes from people like, ooh, that's icky or, oh, that's that's pushing marketing too much. But I was like, you know, and I'm I'm totally borrowing now from, I think, Seth Godin, like a lot of things now boil down to attention and trust. And if you have people's attention, that's good. But I don't want them just to be like, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. They're doing something of value and gaining trust. Uh, we, we even had a little session the other day in class and we started talking about who has gotten your attention but betrayed your trust. And I think that they came up with like Logan or Jake Paul. I guess, you know, they, they, they've got a lot of attention online, but they betrayed their trust because they made some stupid decisions online. And then I said, okay, so then tell me about people that have your trust but may not have your attention. And they're like, well, that's just an endless amount of people. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, there's really nice people in my life. Like, you know, your, your, your pastor or your teacher or, you know, sometimes the apple pie jobs or you know, my, my mom and dad. And I'm like, okay, why don't they have your attention? And I got them to think and they're like, yeah, why don't they have people's attention? Like, they're really good people. And we started just to think about, you know, why it is important, you know, like to, to find opportunities but not be opportunistic. You know what I'm saying? Um, that is kind of what we've been aiming for. Um, so I'm assuming as a guy that helps out businesses, how much emphasis are you putting on the people to, to like understand their brand? Well, look, it's critically important and you might put that under the marketing bucket, but, um, you know, part of that is getting out there. I mean, the world is really competitive right now and and there's lots of, uh, lots of good ideas, um, uh, and people pursuing, uh, you know, those ideas and, um, it, it, you have to figure out a way to make sure that you get noticed and get noticed authentically. Um, hopefully you're, you're um, providing a product or service that's of real value to somebody. Um, they, uh, they, they think that what you're doing is great and want to support it uh, with their time or money. Um, and, you know, that's voting with their wallet. Um, but they can't vote with their wallet unless they know about you, uh, unless they trust you. And so um, to be able to build that early on, to understand that uh, sales and marketing is um, a foundational skill, it's fundamental to anything that, uh, that they're going to do in their life, whether they work in a big company or they go and pursue a, a, a small business or they work at a startup, um, their own brand, how they, um, how they uh, share uh, who they are to the world and how they can do that on behalf of their company, I, I can't think of a company that has succeeded without doing that well. Yeah. So uh, walk me through other things. So like, first of all, how do these small businesses find you and, and uh, walk me through like some of the things that they go through uh, to work with business blocks? Yeah. You know, one, one of the things that uh, we, we quickly realized was that um, there are small businesses all over the country. And, uh, and in every community, there are, there are small businesses uh, and there are important parts of the community. Um, now, those, those businesses might not have access to, um, 
to, like I said, to uh, traditional MBAs uh, because it's too expensive. Uh, they may not have uh, even community colleges and driving distance. Um, they, um, and, you know, if you go online, uh, the, there is a whole variety of content out there, much of which um, isn't really tailored to a small business, and some of it is questionable. And so the idea is, how do you um, reach across the country to communities who aren't going to tr access traditional education sources and find them? And so uh, we do that in a variety of ways. We do it with traditional marketing. And, and obviously, um, Facebook and Instagram are, are really Im important vehicles for us. Um, we also do it with partners. And, and, and you know, partners have been really powerful for us. So we partnered with everybody from Salesforce and Yelp and Square and um, and uh, different uh, companies in, that serve small businesses. Uh, what we found is that that these are really great win-win relationships where they're looking to educate their um, their business owners about accounting best practices or HR best practices or financial best practices. Um, and, uh, and, and we're interested in the same thing and we just happen to be experts at that. And so by, um, by partnering with folks, we can sort of cost effectively, uh, reach out to small businesses around the country. Um, and, uh, and you'd be just shocked how many partners there are, um, who are interested to, to, to work with you if you ask. Um, and that's one of the sort of the tricks that, that we talk about, especially in our courses, which is um, you don't need big budgets to go and uh, pursue um, to pursue partnerships and sales and marketing. Uh, you just need good ideas uh, and a little chutzpah. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, so also in your background, venture capital, um, how has that kind of background helped what you're doing now? And and do you say your clients even need some of that training and, and background? Yeah, you know, um, I, I, the first thing I'd say is, you know, venture capital has been one of the most powerful forces in creating um, uh, our modern economy. I mean, it, we, we have, um, we are about to see uh, a few companies uh, be worth a trillion dollars um, within, you know, the decade. Um, and it's been powered largely because there is this kind of uh, investment capital out there that is interested to support risky endeavors that can fundamentally change the way the world works. Um, and that is, uh, and that pace is increasing. And so, uh, you know, what we've seen, um, you know, really for the past uh, 50 years is um, uh, the wild pace of innovation being driven by, by investment capital. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time in, uh, in education technology, um, but uh, investing works um, uh, largely the same uh, in venture capital for, for all the different domains. And so one of the things that's been powerful for me personally in running business blocks um, is getting to see a, a, a whole variety of companies. And you see how people put the co uh, companies um, together in different ways. Um, you can see how important um, a team is. You see how important um, uh, economics of, uh, of your business are. You see how important your marketing strategy is. You can see how important technology and execution. Now, um, all of those ideas are generalizable. You need a good, a good team, you know, even if you're running a small business. You need good economics even if you're running a small business. There are some things that are particular to venture capital, right? And so... Uh, venture capital, the uh, idea about, behind venture capital is to invest capital to, to build 
big companies, scalable companies. Now, not all companies can be that or should be that, and and it's and it and and they don't need to be. Um, there's many, many, many companies out there. In fact, most companies out there are great businesses without venture capital. Venture capital is also yeah. really expensive. Um, but if if you're looking to if you're looking to to um, to uh, do something uh, massively transformative and you have a really good underlying technology economic model team, venture capital can be a really great uh, rocket fuel um, to 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 go and propel your business. You know, I'm glad you said that. You're actually kind of answering my next question, but I'll kind of ask it anyway. I I hope I. <laughs> I chuckled a while ago when you said venture capital can be expensive. You know, sometimes there's the opinion out there of, you know, vulture capitalists and, and, you know, awfulness and all that other good stuff. And it's funny and somewhat ironic because you started off the show with your parents and that they did it the, the bootstrap way. And, 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 and so I like the fact that you said not all businesses, in fact, many of them don't. However, the good side, uh, and you're, you're alluding to that is, is, you know, when you have maybe a, I don't want to say a unicorn idea, but even like, an idea that's going to, you, you need to throw some rocket fuel on it. I'm assuming that's the, the, the best, most idealistic reason for venture capital. Yeah. Yeah. Look, you know, uh, like, like I said, you know, some, some of the most important companies that have been created, um, you know, have been, uh, have been propelled because of this capital. This capital is intended to, to pursue risky ideas um, and venture capitalists know that a lot of their their companies will fail, um, but what they're trying to pursue is uh, a few companies that ha- that exceed wildly, that really change the way the world works, and and you can see that everywhere from Amazon to Apple to Microsoft uh, and on down, and um, and those businesses will change over time, and and they they need different different capital structure, but that doesn't mean that you can't build a great business. In fact. You might be able to build a better business if you own 100% of that business and it's really profitable. And so I, I think it, it's really about thinking like about venture capital as a tool and what kind of tool do you need to do the job? Do you need a hammer? Do you need a jackhammer? Or do you need something uh, uh, even more powerful for that? And, um, and it, you know, if you apply the wrong tool, it can be, it can actually be pretty bad for the business. And so sometimes you have a a really great business and, uh, and, and, you know, the, the founder pursues venture capital and it's not the right thing for the business. And something, sometimes you have a, you have an idea and it's really important to, to um, pour some gasoline on the fire because that idea should exist everywhere around the world. Okay. Love, love that answer. Uh, and, and, and tying it back to, you know, preparing this future generation, um, how are you supporting that? Uh, you know, I, I know you've got a passion for education, some of the ed tech things. How are you really pushing that message out more? Yeah, you know, um, uh, it, you know, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And, and you know, we're an education company. And so uh, we, we think about uh, the, the way we think about the world is uh, through an education lens. And so um, to have a really good foundation means that you um, uh, that, that you that you have some really good skill sets that you can rely on um, to to go and pursue your dreams. And so uh, we support education, um, you know, for small businesses at the moment. Um, and there's just so much opportunity out there. And if you think about any specifics uh, domain in small businesses like restaurants, there's so many things that are interesting um, just specifically toward restaurants, like 
their gross margins and their labor staffing costs and the implementation of new technologies for their businesses, um, how they think about food innovation and even new technology that is um, going to change the way that food is delivered um, in restaurants. And, and that's just one vertical. So there's so many. So we spend time educating uh, uh, small businesses broadly. We also spend time uh, in different specific uh, verticals. Um, so that's how I've spent time thinking about education recently. Um, but I've also invested um, across the education stack from, from pre-K, uh, K-12, higher ed, uh, post-secondary language learning. Um, and in every one of those areas, uh, technology is, um, is fundamentally changing the way that, um, that students learn. Um, and we know that students learn differently and that, uh, and that technology can really um, help us as we uh, think about uh, personalization, as we think about um, uh, how to uh, encourage uh, students to, uh, to uh, communicate with each other in, in different ways. Um, and, uh, and that will be a powerful force that, that continues for, for a very long time. Awesome. I agree. Although I, sometimes I get in education, some people get a little too excited about the, the device or, or ed tech uh, shiny objects. But I think fundamentally, you're absolutely correct. Um, the ed tech scene has been so positively disruptive uh, that it's been just a force. Any particular ed tech brands that you've that have really stood out to you? Uh, there, there are so many, so I, I won't, I won't do the disservice for the ones I don't mention. Um, but I think, sort of generally speaking, um, you, look, you're right. Uh, and and the way to think about education technology is again, it's a tool, right? And it's, it happens to be one tool. What we know, though, is that still the most powerful force for a student's life, whether that student is um, is you know uh, pre-K, K-12, higher ed, um, is uh, having uh, committed parents. Um, and, uh, and great teachers. Um, and education technology can really help um, accelerate um, uh, th those conditions. And so as, as we have students, we have more and more students, as the world becomes more complex, uh, as there are more things to learn, uh, we're gonna need to make sure that we can deliver information. We can have students, teachers, and parents interact in more nimble ways. Um, but there's no getting around the the um, the fact that you know uh, uh, a great school system, a great community, um, uh, committed friends and family are are really powerful are powerful forces, and they will remain to be. And technology um, can only accelerate that. Um, it, but but if you think about sort of from a from a, a high level, um, you know there are more people in the world today than there were 10 years ago, and yeah. that and that pace is accelerating. And so we're going to need technology to help us. Um, deal with uh, um, you know personalization in a, in a more complex world. I can't agree more. I, I sometimes when people get all doom and gloom, and you know we're going to have one teacher uh, via Amazon, and and we're just going to log in, and that's it. I, I don't think that you'll ever have the human element, or at least I don't think you ever should lose that human element. Now, getting getting a a lesson from a singleton, like you know if if. You wanted to take a class on podcasting from fill out whoever your favorite podcaster is, then that's great. But that personal, uh, kind of what you were alluding to, the the personal touch, the the able to to collaborate in real life uh, is never never going to go out. So I'm certainly glad you said that. Uh, although I will say, and we can wrap up with this, like 
if you could ch- like one incremental change you would love to make in K-12, what would it be? Well, you know, I, look, I, I think that, um, uh, you know, K- K-12 is, uh, is a, sort of a, a complicated domain because, um, you know, a different, and, and this is one, one of the things that's sort of great, especially about sort of the American K-12 system, is that there are so many different models and everyone is pursuing different models. And in some ways, they're all like little experiments. And so there really isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all model for, for K-12 education. Um, but what we do know is that, um, that if, we, if we take uh, technology and we apply it in the right ways, um, you know, we're going to be able to personalize education for students. And so uh, that should accelerate our ability to, um, to innovate uh, different uh, 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 modalities in uh, in K twelve, and some students are going to learn better um, with uh, through more peer based uh, interactions. And so, I think that there's some amazing technology that is facilitating how students interact with each other and encourage each other and learn from each other uh, and share information. Um, from a from a, a high level perspective, there isn't a better time um, uh, than now to be a student. Uh, you have access to more information. Um, you have access to so m- so many good ideas that your smartphone is smarter than the um, the entire library system, uh, you know, pre nineteen fifty, and um, and that pace is only accelerating. So you you really can access the smartest minds in the world. The, uh, uh, so many, so many different forms of education, and I think it's um, it's it's on students now to think about how how they can connect those dots so that they can really think about the world in in new and interesting ways. I <laughs> I had to mute my microphone because I kept saying uh huh uh huh yes yes I agree. Uh, for all sometimes the pessimism we have, you're right. There is no better time to be a student than right now. I, I can't get over the fact that even my students just not just for the knowledge that they can take in for the amplification of what they can do and what they're putting out. Uh, we have such a premium in our class on, I want you to be a consumer, but I want you to be a producer. And uh, those producers then become the leaders and, and whatever and, and here in the future. And to hear that, uh, one, I love it. It's inspiring, but it's true. Like it's, you can get so many things instantly uh, but again, that's that's sometimes my pushback on on traditional K twelve is like it doesn't have to be just because you have a deal with a textbook company doesn't mean that you have to that's it you know you have to honor just that. There's so many tools out there and there's so many different ways to get great information that uh, you know we have to shake things up a bit. Well, Justin, um, any other thing you want to tell us about business blocks or how they can find you and and all that good stuff? Uh, you, you can find us on our web, uh, on our website at businessblocks.com. Um, and you know, look, Don, what, what I what you're doing in in your classroom is is really important. And I think um, to start students early on thinking about how to connect those dots in non obvious ways, um, you know, the uh, and 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 have the the guts to um, pursue entrepreneurial ideas is not so obvious. It feels re- relatively novel right now, but it's the way of the future. And so congratulations on, on your success. Um, and I'm excited to see what your students um, develop and become. I'm excited to connect you into them. They, they've been ferocious here on uh, connecting out to people. And my gosh, when they get to see what's offered on business blocks and you know, I looked over it and there's so many practical, nice things there for them. 
and I, and I know sometimes maybe you're not ideal candidate as a 15 year old with an idea, but, uh, man, they, they'll eat up what you guys got. And, and just having you understand what we're going through in education is, is fantastic. And gosh, I'm you know, now speaking to my audience. If, if you are interested in, you know, a side hustle or wanting to do a small business your own, I, I do encourage you to take a look at business blocks. It's, um, it's, it's not too complicated. It's not too scary. And, and, uh, yeah, I sincerely love the fact that you're trying to get people to take a real honest look at small business and not have the big sexy buzzwords of Silicon Valley, but take a real practical approach. So for that, I tip my hat to you. Um, other than that, I, Justin, thank you so much for being on. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we might have to have a follow-up call here in the future. I look forward to it, Don. Take care. All right. Thanks. Have a great school year. <laughs>